Bibles, please turn to the book of Mark, chapter 8. Mark, chapter 8, we'll read verses 34 through 37 together. We'll read this passage responsively. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you do here. Lord, it's quite obvious that you are here. It's quite obvious that you enjoy being here. Father, please, these are your people. They're very needy. We all are in need. Father, there's a needy world out there. Maybe somehow today you could use our preacher, speak through him, change our lives so we could help a whole lot more people out there that are in need, please. Fill our preacher with your power in Jesus' name. Amen. The hell that Brother Nash just sang about is a true place. Don't convince yourself that it's a figment of someone's imagination. That is not the case. It's a true place. Anybody that does not receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior will go to that place. That's called hell. But today I want to talk to you about a man-made hell. If you'll listen, I think I can teach you something. This is an independent fundamental Baptist church. We do not apologize for that. But may I ask you a question? Do you believe all the Bible? Do you believe everything that's printed from Genesis through the book of Revelation? If someone stood in this pulpit this morning and they preached that hell had no fire, you would be enraged. You would say, now that's not true. That's not what the Bible says. And we would want them to step down from the pulpit because they would have no right to say something like that. And indeed, that should enrage us if anybody ever tries to convince us that the hell that Jesus described with real fire does not have fire. Somebody's a liar and let God be true and every man be the liar. And that's what the Bible says. If someone stood in this pulpit today and preached that heaven was not a real place, we would say, sit down. You get out of that pulpit. The Bible teaches heaven is a real place. We have loved ones there right now. Jesus is there. It's a wonderful place. And indeed, if someone said heaven was not a real place, we would not want them to preach to us because they would be preaching a lie. If someone stood in this pulpit and said we have no sure Bible, we do not have the words of God, we'd throw them out of the church. We believe we have the words of God. We believe we have exactly what we need. We would not tolerate it. But, but wait a minute, wait a minute, uh, Jesus said this, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Now that's in the Bible too. Now that's part, of, that's part of the Bible, some of us that would say, well I believe the King James Bible, and I believe in a hell that's hot, and a heaven that's got golden streets. Do you believe this part of the Bible? Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. And the next verse, the next verse may be even more powerful than that one. It says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. 
What? Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it? So what does that mean? Well, basically it means whoever tries to be happy will probably be miserable. Trying to do for your life what you think is best, you probably won't find your life. You'll probably lose your life that way. See, the Bible here is talking to us about something called selfishness. Selfishness. Oh, boy, we believe the Bible's the Word of God, and we believe in a hell that's hot, and we believe in a heaven with golden streets, but do you believe you're not supposed to be selfish? That's a doctrine of the Bible, too. I tell you a story from Aesop's fables. There were some birds that were flying south. Because it was winter and somebody needed to get to the warm weather was. And I don't blame birds. If I had wings, I might fly south too. There were some birds flying south and they were about halfway to their journey. We can send them, we'll send them to Florida, okay? So these birds are heading to, toward Florida because they want to go where it's warm. As they're flying, there's a frog on the ground. That frog looks up at the birds flying and that frog says, Boy, I wish that I could go south. Here I am. I'm stuck in this cold, cold West Virginia pond. And it's icy and, and, and it's snowy and it's cold and oh, the wind. And I just wish I could go south, but I can't fly. I want to get out of here. I don't like this. I like the warm weather. I don't want to be here. But I can't fly. And then the frog says to himself, I have an idea. And so he signals to the ducks that are flying overhead. He says, hey, fellas, come here for a second. And a couple ducks fly down to him, and he says, I have an idea, gentlemen. He said, I don't like it here. It's icy, it's cold, it's windy, and I want to go south with you. And the two ducks say, of course, in duck language, they say, you can't. You cannot fly. So how can you get, go, go south? And, the, and this frog says, I have an idea. He pulls out a piece of string. And he gets his piece of string and he says, this is what we're going to do. To one duck, he says, you put one piece of this string in your mouth. And he says to the other duck, you put the other end of this piece of string in your mouth. And then I will stand between the two of you and I will put the string that's between you in my mouth. And I'll, like, I'll look like a, a piece of clothing on a clothesline. And what I'll do is you fly, you guys keep your mouths close, you fly, hold on to the string, I'll be hanging there with the piece of string in my mouth, and all three of us will go to Florida together, and we'll get out of this cold, icy West Virginia winter. And the ducks looked at one another, and in duck language, of course, said, sounds good, this guy's not a quack, he knows what he's doing. All right, let's do it. Oh, the little green frog was so excited. The two ducks put the string in their, at the end of the string in their mouth. The frog came up. He put that string in his mouth. The ducks took off, and they're flying. And they get just about, oh, you know, 30 minutes into their flight. They're down to about Winchester, Virginia, where it's still cold and icy. And a farmer comes out. The farmer looks up in the sky, and he says, wow, we, 
That somebody is extremely intelligent. Look at that. A flying frog. Ha! Oh, I am amazed. And the old farmer said, I wonder whose idea that was. And the frog said, Mine! <laughs> and the frog spent the rest of his winter where it was icy and cold at a farmer's farm down near Winchester, Virginia. Because when he yelled, mine, he let go of the string and he fell back to the cold, icy earth. You see, he wanted credit. You see, he wanted to be recognized. You see, he wanted to make sure that he took care of getting credit for what he thought of. And therein lies most of your problems in life and my problems in life. You know, most of our problems are because of me, my, I, and mine. I'm interested in old number one. I got to looking at something. The word self in the Greek language comes from the word automaios. It's where we get our word automatic. And we get concerned about ourselves. We want to take care of ourselves. And because we are fleshly, we're not always spiritual, taking care of yourself is somewhat a natural reaction. You know, we naturally want to take care of ourselves. As children begin to grow up, you go over here to the lunchroom and you watch the kids when it's time to go get in line for them to get their lunch. If we just cut them loose, you know what every child would do? They would rush, they would push, they would pull because they want to be in the front of the line. Now that's the way I am out at Ryan's. I get out of the car, I push my wife out of the road, I get in there, I'm pushing and shoving, and say, man with the baby, and I look like it sometimes, I mean, but boy, wait, we push and we shove. A child, for some reason, we naturally want to push for the front of the line, we want to take care of ourselves. See, that's an automatic response of the flesh. That's not spiritual, but it's an automatic response of the flesh. The word selfish in the Greek language is a word, it said, uh, authos ades. Authos ades. Auto, meaning self, and hades is where we get our word hell. Selfish means self-hell. When you're selfish, you have created a man made hell in which your emotions and in which you must live. We are so selfish. You say, I am miserable. Well, misery can be associated with hell, and I wonder if one of the reasons you're miserable is because you are selfish and you have, you have created a self-hell for you, you're, for you to live in. It's a man-made hell. That's the name of my sermon today. Man-made hell. The hell that Brother Nash so, so wonderfully sang about earlier, that was a God-made hell for the God-rejectors. But we, we have created created for ourselves a hell. It's a self-man-made hell because we get selfish and we get interested in ourselves and so we suffer misery like someone would in the hell called Hades. 
you know the person in this church today who is the, the most in hell is the one that lives for themselves the most. She did not speak to me, so I won't speak to her. You just put yourself in hell. He was not nice to me, so I will not be nice to him. You just put yourself in hell. I just don't like her. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, I've had about five people get up and walk out of the service. Ushers, you help me. If they come in, they sit in the back. This, this truth is way, way too important for people to be walking around. I'm not trying to be rude or unkind, but I have to have your attention, and I have to have my own attention if I'm going to get this truth across to you. So listen carefully. I just don't like her. Selfish. She's just not my type. You live in a self-hell. He received something I wanted, so I just think I'll talk bad about him. Selfish. Just like that frog, you're going to live a cold life because you were more concerned about you and getting credit for something or getting what you want or getting your just dues, if you will, than you were getting the job done. Speak up for yourself. Go ahead. Do what's best for you. Go ahead, Christian. And put yourself in a self-made hell. So you were hurt in your youth. So you know what you're going to do? You're going to make sure you take care of yourself very well for the rest of your life, even at the expense of everyone else. And because you have decided you are going to take care of you, and nobody's going to hurt you, and you're going to protect you, you live in a self-help. Because you're selfish. He said, you, you, you want to do what's best for you. The scripture, the scripture, for whosoever shall, will save his life shall lose it. You're saving your life. You're taking care of you. And in the process, you are losing your life. And you're not taking good care of you. You're hurting yourself. Off those Hades, auto, self, hell. You know, Selfish people get offended very easily. Are you easily offended? I'll tell you why. Because you're, you're concerned about your feelings. Selfishness. Anybody here that doesn't like anybody, you're selfish. You're selfish. Well, what is it? It's based on what somebody's done for you, or it's based on you. That's why you don't like them. Because they, the way, the, the way they, they uh, affect you, it's selfish. We live self-centered lives. See, you interpret everything on the basis of how does it affect you. And boy, when you get around people like this, they make me very uncomfortable. Very, I get uncomfortable around selfish people. Because it doesn't matter what you do. They've got their feelings right there on their cuff. They're very concerned about how they feel, how they think, how will it affect them. And, and when you say something, you can tell. They're put out with it. You can just tell. You see, you interpret everything on the basis of how does it affect you. How do you feel about it? What do you think about it? What do you get out of it? And if everything doesn't go your way, it'll be known. 
Because you're selfish. Always thinking of old number one. Let's take care of ourselves. Jesus said, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Now, wait a minute, folks. You know, if I were preaching on the King James Bible, some of you would be screaming and, and shouting, Amen, come on, preacher. If I were preaching against rock and roll music, some of you would be saying, Come on, preacher. Why aren't you going to say Amen. Is somebody going to say amen when I'm preaching against us being selfish and self-centered? Oh, I'm a fundamentalist. We're going to raise up those old fundamental standards. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. We've got a bigger problem than that. We're a bunch of self-centered, selfish people. And all we really care about is how does it affect me? What do I get out of it? Much of my counseling is with people who are living in self-hell. Selfish. I got to be a mediator. Well, he wants this, and I want that. Why can't we do this? And why can't we do that? We can't get along. Why don't we just decide not to be selfish? We live in a man-made hell. Probably the biggest sin of Christians today is selfishness. I read somewhere where a medical doctor said that 90% of his patients are people that are sick because of self-centeredness. There are a lot of Bible examples of selfish people. You look at the story of Lot and his uncle Abraham. Lot had many, many men, and he had, he had a, a, a big family of people that followed Lot, and Abraham the same, and, and their herdsmen were not getting along. And Abraham's herdsmen could not get along with Lot's, and Lot's could not get along with Abraham, but they were family. They couldn't get along, so they came up with this idea. We need to separate from one another. That way our people won't have hassles with one another. And I think that's a good idea. I think Abraham knew what he was doing there. And God said, now, let's, let's divide the land, and one of you go to one part of the land, and one go to the other. You know what the Bible says about Lot? Lot looked at both pieces of property, and he, he looked at the property down here, and he seen there were some well-watered plains of a place called Gomorrah. And he said, you know what? There's, a, there's where all the water is, and there's where all the green grass is, and there's the beautiful territory in this part over here. It's just kind of wilderness and dry, and it's not nice. And old Lot said, hey, Uncle Abraham, I've got a good idea. How about we give me the very best land for me? The next thing you know, you find out that old Lot is in self-hell because he was selfish and he did what was best for him. Hey, let's look at the two people's lives. How did Lot's life turn out? Pretty crummy. Living with a bunch of whoremongers and sodomites and his, he loses his wife and he loses his family. Why? Because he was concerned about me, 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 me. Look at Abraham. He became the father of many nations. And I don't see where Abraham said, you stingy little twerp. I see Abraham said, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if somebody got something that I did not get, I'll go on and God will bless me. If he wants to be selfish, that'll be his problem. But I'm not going to live that kind of life. I don't think Abraham stayed awake at night worrying about the fact that somebody got something that he didn't get. Abraham was a mature enough Christian to say, Lot, if you want it, take it. Lot said, I want it. Give me all I can get. Let me take care of me. But you look at two people there. It was all about getting something. Lot got what he wanted, and it destroyed him. Self. Self-hell. Look at David. Look at the story of David. David sees another man's wife, and he chooses to take another man's wife. 
David seen Bathsheba, and David said, that's what I want. So David got what he wanted. Now, was David thinking about Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba? No. Who was David thinking about? David. David was concerned about David. Uriah, though, Uriah, he was concerned about David. You'll find out. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Uriah was one of David's mighty captains. David calls Uriah home and he says, look, I'm going to have to get this guy and get him sleeping with his wife because if she's pregnant, it's going to be blamed on me and I want to cover this thing up. And Uriah said, I can't sleep with my wife. I'm one of your mighty captains. My other men are out at battle. I can't do that. And he stayed loyal to David while David had stabbed him in the back. Oh, David was concerned about David and Uriah, he too was concerned about David. Who was the better Christian there? You tell me. Uriah will go down in history as a hero, and David went down in history, and all you got to do is say, David and, and everybody says, Bathsheba. That was an adulterous, wicked, immoral affair, and David went down in history for it. David was concerned about who? David! Who do you think was happiest? You look at Judas. He sold out. He sold Jesus out for money. Do you think that when Judas got those pieces of silver in his greedy little hand, do you think he was thinking of Jesus Christ at that time? The soldiers wanted to find Jesus, and Judas said, Oh, you paying money? I'll sell Jesus for money. Put the bucks right here, baby. Give me the money. He wasn't worried about anybody but himself. He placed himself in a self-hell, and he ended up in the other hell. He did what was best for Judas. Hey, who did Jesus do what was best for? Everybody else. Let's look at the two, Judas and Jesus. Who came out the best? The one that was concerned about himself or the one that was concerned about others? Who came out the best, Uriah or David? It was Uriah. Who came out the best? Was it Abraham or Lot? It was Abraham. Why? They said, I will become selfless. I'm not going to worry about me. I'm not going to take care of me. And some of you are so desperately seeking a way to find what you want, to get what you want, to get your way. You have put yourself in a self-hell. Stop worrying about you and get your eyes on somebody else. Lady in this church came to see me, probably been about two weeks ago. She came and she said, I am, my life, I, it's just numb. I can't think straight. I can't, I'm, I've got a mess. I've got a mess of myself. Now I'm trying to figure out how to, how to make myself happy. I said, there's your problem. Stop trying to make yourself happy. Go make somebody else happy. I said, this is what I want you to do. And I, I gave instructions. I took some money out of my wallet. I said, now here's some money. You take this and you go buy something for someone. You go to them. They're hurting right now. And you give this to them. And you spend time with them. And you do something for them. Okay. She came back about a week later. She said, I am so sorry I ever doubted you. She said, I went. I did what you wanted me to do. I, I drove away from helping that person. And I felt so good. But I did not feel good because I'd done something for me. I felt good because I'd done something for someone else. 
Folks, you don't get happy by trying to get happy. That's the way the world does it. Hell, let's have happy hour down at the bar. We'll go get happy. No, they're made miserable because of happy hour. They're made miserable because of that. You get happy by making somebody else happy. You don't get joy by seeking joy. You get joy by helping someone else to find joy. You don't get happiness by seeking happiness for you. You get happiness by making somebody else happy. You do not get fulfillment by seeking fulfillment for you. You get fulfillment by seeking fulfillment for somebody else. She came back to me and she said, you have helped me. She said, I am sorry I ever doubted what you said. Because it almost sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Stop seeking happiness and seek somebody else's. But that is the Christian life. These statements, I'm mad. I'm hurt. I don't like him. I'm upset. It's what I want. It's what I need. It's what I think. I am offended. Self, 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 self. Self-hell, 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 self-hell. Man-made hell, man-made hell, man-made hell. It's very quiet in here. It's self-hell that causes trouble in your home. If everybody under the sound of my voice would decide, I'm not going to worry about me, I'm going to take care of everybody else in my family, they get to come first, they're most important, I meet their needs, we would do away with marital problems and children problems, but we're so self-centered, we're so stuck on ourselves, we care about old number one. Every church in America would not have problems if the people in the church would stop worrying about themselves and worry about everybody else. He got this position. You ought to say, thank God I'm so glad for him instead of, he got what I wanted. He got what I wanted. I want that. Self, 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 self. There'd never be a deacon board cause a preacher a, a heartache again or a preacher cause a deacon board heartache again if everybody decided I'm going to get me out of the road and I'm, the issue is not me. It's taking care of other people and meeting their needs. Self, 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 self. Take care of self, folks. Let's do it, Christians. But let's ignore everybody else and let's just take care of ourselves. Problems that we have in Christian schools today is because Christian school kids, are, they care about themselves. Themselves. You, 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 you select cheerleaders and everybody else in school is mad at them. Boys make a ball team, everybody else is mad at them. Self, 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 self. Hey, Christian, let's be good Christians now and take care of ourselves. We want for ourselves. I want a house. Self, self, I want a new car. Self, 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 new clothes. There are people in this room who have fussed about cars, houses, and clothes in the last week. Self, 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 self. I want that job. I want that position. I was a young man. I was working in a factory. I almost destroyed myself desiring a position. I kept thinking, why did they give it to him? Why did he get it? Why did he get it? And finally one day I woke up and said, I am miserable. I began to hate my job. I'm not, I'm not liking the people around my job. I said, I'm done with this. 
I'm going to be satisfied right where I am, and I am not going to go around seeking things for myself anymore. I'll do the best I can, and I'll hang it from there. God's in charge. He knows what he's doing, and I'm just going to go ahead and live my life and be happy with what God's given me. I was self-destructing. I was living in hell, and there are some of you right now, you are living in a self-made hell. You want to take care of you. You're unsatisfied with what you have. You want it, you want it, you want it, you want it, you want it. So you're displeased with everybody and everything that's going on around you. You're in self-hell. Are you living in a man-made hell? So what can I do to get out of that man-made hell, Brother Owens? Let me tell you. Live in your Bible. Live in the Bible and you can get out of that man-made hell. Hey, the Bible is the answer to most of your problems. Listen to this. You want to be prosperous? Do you really want to be prosperous? The Bible says this. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, 1, verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You live in the Bible. You read it. You breathe it. You eat it. You digest it. You read it every day of your life. You don't just find your Bible on Sunday morning so you can walk in and make yourself look religious down at the church house. You have the Bible at your house, and you read it, and you believe it, and you know something the Bible says, then you can become prosperous. You could be happy if you'd live in the Bible. Do you know that everything he ever created, he spoke it into existence? He's going to put down the Antichrist. How, Brother Owens, with his word? Self-help can be conquered by God's word. We get selfish. when You can tell if somebody's away from the word of God. They get selfish just like that. What about my life? What about me? What about me? What about my feelings? You know who's most apt to get offended when I'm preaching hot? The ones that are in the Bible the least. I get up and throw a fit about some sin of our day and age. There are people that walk around here and say, oh, 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 oh. You're offended because you're away from God. You're away from the Word of God. But there are people who have been in their Bible every day, and they're saying, come on. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's all about you, isn't it? Selfishness. Psalm 119, verse 165. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Oh, but you know something? There's a little more to that than what you think. When it says, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them, do you know what that word nothing means? Nothing. Give the deeper truth to that? Nothing. The word offend comes from a Greek word, scandalizo. It's where we get our word scandal. Great peace have they which love thy law, and no scandal is going to hurt them. Nothing will offend them. Nothing shall prick them. Nothing shall make them mad. Nothing will make them vengeful. Nothing will make them want to retaliate. Nothing will make them leave the church. Nothing will make them salt. Nothing will make them whine. Nothing. They don't wear their feelings on their cuff because great peace have they that love thy law and anybody that scandalizes against them, they rise above it through the power of the word of God and say, well, that's the way she goes. Nothing shall make them bitter. 
If somebody mistreats you, you will not be offended if you spend enough time in the Word of God. Slander won't offend you. Somebody curses you, it won't offend you. I had a guy cuss me out one day when he got done. He said, what do you think about that? I said, I don't think you called me enough names. I said, write a couple of them down, I'll sign the bottom of the paper for you, bud. You listen to me. I grew up a long time ago. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. You say, you wouldn't believe when I heard somebody call you, brother. You got to hear what I call myself. Hey, I'm not going to turn my emotions and feelings over to a bunch of dumb human beings. My emotions and feelings have been turned over to the God of the universe. And he told me, if I live in that book, I'm not going to be offended by a bunch of puny-minded, cowardly people that want to call names. No way. I'm not going to live that way. No way. How do you live, though? If somebody mistreats you, you won't be offended. If they slander you, they curse you. If they don't treat you right, you're not offended. No person who loves the, God, the, the Word of God properly will be offended. That means no assistant pastor. Bunch it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no deacon. No choir member. What's it take, choir member? How easily offended are you? Huh? How about a Sunday school teacher? Youth worker? How about an employee of the church? How about a church member? By the way, we're all supposed to live the same. How about a bus worker? How about a teenager? We have to break up a fight between you and somebody because you wear your puny little feelings on your cuff and all you care about is you? What about me? Me, 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 me. Hey, I invite you out of self-help. Come on out of hell. Come out here. It's fun. I have a good time not letting you get to me. And some of you give me a run for my money. Live in the Bible. Live in it. The Bible is a book about other people. It's not about you. It's others, others, others. Care for others' feelings more than your own. Somebody need to learn to live in the Bible. That's how you can get out of self-hell. How else? How can you stay out of this man-made hell? Die to yourself. Die to yourself. I did not say kill the other guy. Die to yourself. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I was thinking about this. Uh, Brother John Kidwell works up at Brown's Funeral Home. If, uh, if Brother John and I, we went up to the funeral home and we, uh, we went, uh, went back to where their customers hang out. Brother Gewen, come up here. Put your Bible down there. You won't need it. You never use it anyway. Brother Gewen, you're going to be one of the customers, okay? 
Brother Buin, now, the customers don't stand. You know, they usually lie down. It's better for their, their back that way. But, no, I want you to stand up here and let's see. Cross, there you go. Close your eyes. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. In other words, I'm dead. You are to be dead. You stay down. Stay down. Every one of you, stay down. Your problem is you rise up, and that's when you retaliate. That's when you strike back. That's when you get all that, that, that's that self-centeredness. Now, see, this guy here, he's dead. If I say to a dead man, Ewan, you're a bum. See, he, a dead man doesn't do anything. If I say to Ewan, if I say, you're ugly. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. If I say to a dead man, you're stupid, what happens? Nothing. What does a dead man do? Do, do dead men get offended? It's time for some of you to die to your feelings. See, brother Owens, I would really like to live my life. You, I have people say this to me all the time. You seem to be so happy. You guessed her, Chester. I didn't turn my happiness over to you. This is the Lord's Supper table. I'm going to walk on it. So if you're going to have a heart attack, start now. <laughs> the man that built it, I'm not going to hurt it, brother man. I'll tell you why some of you are so unhappy. Because the primary per person in your life is you. My feelings, how I feel, die. Die to yourself, die to your feelings, and let Jesus Christ live through you. That's what he commands. This guy here is dead. If I say, you never did anything right, it doesn't affect him. You're a crook. You are dishonest in business. You're ugly. You're a thief. There's something wrong with you. He just lays there, and some of you, your problem is everything that everybody says to you, you respond to it. You've got to get back. You've got to say something. You've got to do something about it. You need to die to yourself and die to your feelings, or you'll never live in this life of victorious life. Thank you, brother. If I, if I slap the dead man, he didn't do anything. If I spit in his face, he didn't do anything. Dead people don't get mad. Die to yourself. Some of you need to come out of your self-help. What is being bad world? You put yourself in self-help. Dead people don't get mad. Dead people don't get back. Dead people don't talk back. Dead people don't get jealous. Dead people don't get their feelings hurt. Dead people don't get offended. Dead people don't seek revenge. Dead people don't get even. Dead people don't feel cheated. They just lay there. You say, well, what's my life all about? It's not all about you. It's all about him. And he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You die. You get in that casket. You stay down. You show this whole world not what you're made of, but what he is made of by letting him live through you. Let me, let me tell you all something. I am a public figure. Quite an awesome figure, I might add. I'm a public figure. Whether we like it or not, I'm not sure I do. I'm known all across the United States of America. I can't hardly go anywhere without people knowing who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm very quickly becoming known all over this county. I'm talked about probably more than anybody. <laughs> a 
Let me tell you all something, and I don't say this to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to tell you the truth about something. There's nobody in this auditorium that had not cru- has not criticized me. Nobody. You say, what? Oh, yeah. I didn't fall off the wagon yesterday. I happen to know. Everybody out there at one time or another say, why did you do that? I don't like that. I know that. I don't live oblivious to the truth. But have you ever noticed how I treat you anyway? Hey, I have decided I'm going to die to criticism. I got a nasty letter today. My email. Guy from some other state. Said, I heard one of your sermons. I didn't like it. Said, what would you do with it, Brother Owens? I pushed the button that makes it go away. If, if I got mad at everybody that criticized me, I would be all alone. I would. I couldn't even be with myself. Because there are some things I say, why did you do that, stupid? <laughs> the truth is, none of us should be critical of anyone. But I have decided that I would ask God to help me to live above criticism. It's not all about Jeff Owens. It's all about Jesus Christ. Hey, I need to forget me and how I feel and keep on going for God. I want to be nice to you no matter what you say about me. You want to know what real hell is? Real hell is a blonde woman learning to ride a horse. A blonde decides to try horseback riding. Even though she had no lessons or prior experience, she mounts the horse unassisted. The horse immediately springs into action. It gallops along with a steady, rhythmic pace. But the blonde begins to slip from the saddle. In terror, she grabs for the horse's mane, but cannot seem to get a firm grip. She tries to throw her arms around the horse's neck, but she slides down the side of the horse anyway. The horse gallops along, seemingly blind to her slipping rider. Finally, giving up her, uh, her frail grip, the blonde attempts to leap away from the horse and throw herself to safety. Unfortunately, her foot has become entangled in the stirrup. She is now at the mercy of the horse's pounding hooves as her head is struck against the ground over and over. As her head is battered against the ground, she is mere moments away from unconsciousness. When, when the, the greatest of things happens, Stan, the Walmart greeter, sees her and unplugs the horse. There are different levels of hell for different people. Say, what do I learn from that, Brother Owens? Blondes should not have quarters in their pocket. They may use it on the wrong ride down at Walmart. I say to you, we live in self-hell. Live in your Bible. It'll get you out of hell. Die to yourself. It'll get you out of that self-hell. Hey, listen, I love this next point. Boy, I wish I had an hour on this. Matter of fact, I do. Do not judge people by the way they treat you. Do not judge people by the way they treat you. Here's how we are. If Brother Bush is kind to you, but he's mean to 99 other people, you say, he's a nice guy. Why? Because he was kind to you. You make all your decisions on life on how it affects you. You. 
you, you. Here this guy is, he's nice to you, one person, he's mean to 99 other people, and you say, he is one nice guy. Yeah, you, some of you know what kind of friendships you have? You're friend, you're friend with somebody that's nice to you, but they hate everybody else. You say, oh, they're really nice. Stop and smell the coffee, hon. Oh, let's turn it around. Brother Bush is mean to you, and he's nice to 99 other people, and so you know what you say? He is mean. I do not like him. Wait a minute. Since when does life rotate around you? Since when are you to make a determination about somebody based on their treatment of you rather than their treatment of everybody else? Or are you the most important person to you? Self-hell. We're so unfair. We're so unfair. We decide what we believe about somebody based on how we feel about it or how they treat us. If they're good to us, they're good people. If they're bad to everybody else, who cares? The only one I care about is me. If they're bad to me, they're bad people. But if they're good to everybody else, who cares? Doesn't matter what they do for everybody else. They're bad people. They treated me bad. And I'm the issue. Me, 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 me. Myself, self, 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 self. It's called self-help. Hey, stop judging whether someone is good or bad based on how they treat you. We're not supposed to hate anybody. Not even your enemies. And you shouldn't mistreat anybody, not even your enemies. But if my enemy mistreats me, that doesn't necessarily mean that my enemy is a wicked, vile, nasty person. But we want to take care of ourselves, don't we? You say, Brother Lawrence, how can I get out of this self-hell? I'm there. I see it. Well, I recommend that you never criticize anybody. Never criticize anybody. Don't criticize. See, criticizing is usually a result of your pride. You look down on someone, so you talk bad about them. And it's because you think you're superior to them. It is very rare that someone that feels they're lower than another would criticize. No, they feel they're better than. Better than. There's that self-centeredness again. We have it together. We therefore can criticize them. We criticize the people that we think we're better than. We would never do it that way. We're above them. If you don't want to live in self-hell, don't go around criticizing people all the time because the average person criticizes because they think they're superior. They think they've got it together in some given area. You know, psychologists say to you, well, speak what's in your heart. You better not. They say, well, you better just, you know, whatever's in your mind, let it out. Do you really want it out? Because the Bible talks that our heart is desperately wicked. Well, if it feels good, do it. Is that so? I wonder if it feels good with your wife. I wonder, Mr. Psychologist, if it feels good, do it. If the man that you're counseling does it with your wife, sir. Well, no, that would be wrong. Why? Because it would affect the psychologist. And his life rotates around him. A teenager in our church came to me. 
said, Brother Owens, anytime an employee's child receives honors, my mom criticizes him. So if an employee's child receives honor, a mama criticizes. She said, my mom says, well, what do you expect? So-and-so's parents work down at the church. And the teenager said, what do I do? I know better, Brother Owens. Hey, Mama, your daughter's already seen your self-centeredness. You're going to be trapped in a self-made hell because of your gossip and criticism. The bars to your prison are the words that you use against others. Hey, and let me say this to all of you young people that received trophies and awards at our recent tournament. Brother Owens is very proud of you. I'm very proud of you, and if you get some snotty, long-tongued heifer that wants to try to be rude to you or unkind to you, you just know that your preacher loves you, and I'm proud of you. And you don't let anybody, you, hey, and you young people, you just go ahead and hold your head high. You did a good job, and you deserve some honor, and you deserve some praise. And if somebody gets jealous about it, that's their problem. Their jealousy is because they wanted it. They wanted it for themselves. They had to have it for themselves, and if they can't have it for themselves, they don't want anybody to have it. We all need to grow up. My goodness gracious. Gossip will make you lonely like the darkness of hell. Good people will separate from you if you're a gossip. That's why you can only get so many people to hang around you. They don't want to be around you. Hell separates. Only gossips hang around gossips. In other words, you, you share the same cell in hell in your self-made prison. The Bible says in James chapter 3, it compares the tongue to the fires of hell. The Bible says the tongue is a fire, and it's set on fire of hell, 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 hell. Listen, folks, don't put yourself in hell by gossiping. Don't put yourself in that kind of a hell. Say, how do I get out of this self-hell? Well, you better learn to forgive people the way that God forgives people, or you're going to live in a self-hell. I don't have time to go into it, but there's a story in the Bible of a man that owed millions of dollars of debt to another. The man that the debt was owed to forgave. And when he forgave, this man that owed the money went free. And on the way home, the man who had been forgiven meets somebody that, that owes him a piddly little amount. He has that man that owes him a piddly amount thrown into prison. And you say, that is ridiculous. Why in the world, if somebody's forgiven a million dollars worth of debt, hold it against someone that owes them a piddly amount, why did they forgive? I ask myself the same question about Christians. How in, how in the world is it you won't forgive somebody who committed some little sin against you when you add up all the sins you've committed against God and He forgave you of all of them when He saved you and you're living in self-hell because you won't forgive? Self, self, self. Oh, sure, I'll take what God did for me. I want the forgiveness of God. I want to go to heaven. But if you expect me to forgive somebody else, hey, listen to me. If a holy, sinless God can forgive you of everything you've done against Him, I would think that you would be reasonable enough to know that one sinner should forgive another sinner against their penalty sins against one another. You put yourself in a self-hell because you care about you. You want forgiveness for you, but you don't want to give it for somebody else. Forgive for the other person. Forgive for them. You say, you hurt me. Why are you always so worried about yourself? Self, self, self. Get your feelings off of your mind. 
That's why some of you stew so long. Oh, I'm hurt, 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 I'm hurt. I can't sleep, I can't go to work. What am I going to do? Everything's falling apart around me. I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. Get your eyes off of you. This is for your own good, folks. Forgive them because it's good for them. I've been cheated, Brother Owens. Forgive. I've been hurt. Forgive and get on with your life. You know, the only person you can for sure hurt by your lack of forgiveness is you. Man made hell. Again, I'm a fundamentalist. I'll tell you what, if I was preaching against the sodomites right now, everybody would be swinging from the chandeliers. Yeah, hey, Vermont! We're against the queers! Were we against selfishness? What can I do to get out of this self-hell, Brother Owens, that I live in? Force yourself to put others first. Get this. Give somebody else the good parking space. Give somebody else the good parking spot. When you're at Walmart, don't sit there for 15 minutes hoping somebody's going to move so you can take care of old number one. Slow down and let somebody into your lane while you're driving. Well, that crazy sucker was right now. I'm going to run him off the road. That idiot. Now we're getting down where we live. Force yourself to put others first. Let somebody else have that last sale item. My wife was so mad one day. Now you haven't heard the whole story. She had seen little, some little clip on the news and then in the newspaper about uh, right up here in Hagerstown. A lady had been trampled at Christmas time because it popped the doors open to a store and she was trying to get a toy. A bunch of people fussing and fighting over it. There's going to be a lawsuit, I guess, for the store. What in the world has a human race come to? Let them have it. Why want that? Grow up. That's what I wanted. Oh, my. No wonder you look so sour. Look like you've been sucking dill pickle juice out of the bottom of a Coke jar. You didn't even eat a straw. A couple of you, if you would smile one time, you'd be shocked at what it'd do for your ugly face. Oh, man. Hey, let somebody else in front of you at the checkout lane. They're going, to start, they're going to start advising that you take out insurance on the baskets that you push around at Walmart because of the injury coming into the finish line for the checkout. And then you stand there and you're counting the things in somebody else's baskets and say, you've got 21, this is a 20 aisle. Get your nose out of everybody else's business and you just make sure you do what you're supposed to do. And stop worrying about somebody getting ahead of you and beating you and getting something that you did not get. Get your eyes off yourself. Put others first. 
Don't take care of yourself. Don't worry about you. Don't fight for your way. Hey, be happy if somebody else gets praise. wonder if somebody else gets a raise. What kind of person are you? He's the boss's son. That's why. You're not glad he has a few more bucks. You know what? Employees of Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church don't go around telling each other how much you make. Because we're all so self-centered. Everybody will fuss and fight. I have people lined up at my office door saying... Why are they making more than me? I want more. I want you to be fair. Sugar Plum, if you got what you deserved, you'd be in hell right now. You don't want, you don't want true justice. Hey, folks, don't go around talking about how much you make at work. They'll string you up. If I, if I own quad graphics over here, and I may someday... If I own quad graphics and somebody came to me and said, I don't think it's fair, and everybody's griping about their pay, I just put them all at the same pay rate and let them rot right there for a little while. What's wrong with us? Me, 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 me. Take care of me. Give me what I want. Hey, kids, let your brother have that toy. I want that. Give it to me. I wonder how many little brothers have have scars above their right eye from a tractor that they got slapped in the head with. <laughs> Little brother said, I want that. And big brother said, fine, here. It's <laughs> where big brothers learn to plow. <laughs> hey, teenager. Hey, do what's best for the other person in the Christian school. I wonder, I wonder how many people, I wonder one of our boys received a, a, a Best Christian Athlete Award over here uh, yesterday. I wonder how many boys sat back and said, I like that. You stingy brat. Good night. Somebody in your own Christian school gets an award and all you care about is that you didn't get it? Your parents should have taught you more sense, but maybe they learned it at home. Hey, husband, do what's best for your wife. There's somebody in here you need to get saved. Why? It'd be best for your wife and your kids. Straighten up your life. Why? It'd be best for your wife and your kids. Hey, wife, do what's best for your husband. Live right. I really don't want to. Who cares what you want? We're not supposed to live our lives for us, 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 me, me, me. Hey, why don't we all just do what's best for Jesus? We'd clean this whole thing up. There'd be so many people coming to this property, we wouldn't know where to put them all. We couldn't keep a building program going on fast enough if everybody here said, I'm not caring about me anymore. I'm going to stop trying to save my life. I'm going to start trying to save everybody else's. If you're here today and you're not saved, you ought to get saved. Why? That's best for everybody else. That's best for Jesus Christ. There are even some here, well, I'll get saved, I'm going to do it my way. No, you're not. You can't do it your way. You have to do it his way. You have to realize you're a sinner and you deserve to go to hell. 
and that Jesus died for you, was buried for you, and resurrected for you. He does all the saving. You can't save yourself. You just have to flat out accept that. It's not by works of righteousness, which you have done, but it's according to his mercy that he'll save you. You need to realize you're a sinner. You deserve to go to hell. Jesus died for you, buried for you, resurrected for you. You need to turn to him and say, save me. Come into my heart. Be my savior. Forgive me of my sin of rejecting you all these years. I accept you as my savior and get saved. Why should I do that, brother Owens? Do it for Jesus. He died for you. Do it for your wife. Do it for your kids. Do it for your mom. Do it for your dad. But get your eyes off yourself. And I'll tell you something, getting saved is real good for you too. If you would get saved because it's the best thing for everybody else, guess what you get out of it? You just found your life. See, called eternal life. I wish I had more time. I don't. But I'll tell you something. We live in man-made I'm inviting you out. Don't live there. That's why some of you are so miserable. Let's not wear our feelings on our cuff. Let's get above and beyond that. In that passage of Scripture, it was so interesting to me. He said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Don't lose a good quality Christian life by investing yourself in you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And just so you know, this sermon was for you. If you've done everything you can to shut me out, you couldn't have shut me out well enough. The reason some of you don't want to serve God is because you want to do what you want to do. Yeah, this sermon was definitely for you. And it was for me too, by the way. In a moment, the pianist will begin to play. In a moment, we're all going to stand. When we do, if you're not born again, why don't you come and let us take the Bible and show you how to be saved. There are a whole bunch of Christians. We can straighten up your marriage. We can straighten up your family. You just get your eyes off of yourself. We got, we got a missions conference coming this Wednesday night. I'm going to promise you there will be people that won't be here because they're out doing things for themselves when they ought to be here learning about how to reach others all across this world. But you ought to be here Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night and get your eyes off yourself and realize there's little boys and girls that would like to have the scraps off your table. They don't have anything to eat. Man-made hell. How many of you say, Brother Owens, I've been living in some of that man-made hell. God helping me. I'm coming out. And you'll raise your hand. Their hands up all over this auditorium, all over the place. You may put your hands down and say, well, why should I respond? Don't respond for yourself. Respond for your parents, teenager. So you teenagers, give your parents fits. Get your eyes off yourself, you stingy kid. Let's get our eyes off ourselves, Christians. Some of you need to start showing up for soul winning. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes on lost people. Let's all stand to our feet with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Men, you take your place at the altar. Choir, sing a song of invitation.